Get your tickets for the Detroit is Different Festival, October 25th through 27th. Tickets online at DetroitIsDifferent.com. DetroitIsDifferent.com. All right, so we are back in full effect in the Detroit is Different podcast studios. And I've had a great, great pre-podcast discussion. Man, oh man, I'm going to definitely have to get this woman back. She's one of uh, the big homies to look up to in entrepreneurship, artistry. Uh, We talk about culture all the time through Detroit is Different. And she brought in one of my my closest uh, comrades, somewhat of a consigliere, uh, when she can focus on like one particular social justice cause at a time and uh, hip hop song to be focused on. We have... Zayna and Piper Carter. Zayna from Spectacles, Piper Carter from We Found Hip Hop. How are you guys doing today? Great, great. Yeah, awesome. All right. So, Thanks for having me. Oh, all, all the time. Like I say, um, one of the things that I just found out is, Zayna, you're basically from this neighborhood. This is uh, my neighborhood, but I guess it was originally your neighborhood. <laughs> yep, I went to Central High School, the big CE. Okay, a, yep. a trailblazer. I'm a mm-hmm. Northwestern person, so uh, you may not have picked the right school in the neighborhood, but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the blue and white now. <laughs> all right, so what what was that like? Um, growing up, going to Central, America's first high school. A lot of people don't even know that. Yeah, so I, well, I enjoyed it because... You know, I could just walk. I, I lived on Glendale, and I just would walk straight up uh, Linwood. And there were a lot of uh, great hamburger shops. And, you know, we just had a, a ball, you know, going. Because um, you had Central, Durfee. I went to Durfee as well. And Roosevelt. Okay. <coughs> I went to McCullough Elementary School. Mm-hmm. And everything was just right here for us, you know. Um, this is when they first started making the big bags of potato chips. We had big boy potato chips, and, mm-hmm. you know, this was before Better Made, you okay. know. So as a kid growing up, it was all about getting to school and having that bag of potato chips. <laughs> Ain't that something? Ain't that something? Some traditions never change. And then, and, and then you know, we also, right down the street was where uh, Malcolm X, they had the— uh, The first the, temple. The right, first, the first yeah, and, and uh, we learned a lot more about that in one of our other podcasts as Aurora Harris's family, uh, grandfather, a poet Aurora Harris, uh-huh. uh, also connected to some of the work with Piper Carter. Uh, her grandfather was one of the uh, original members of the Nation of Islam <coughs> and, and studied with Elijah Muhammad alongside Fraud Muhammad because the first mosque in the first temple of the nation of Islam, as we know, is right there on Linwood. Hmm. So it's, it's yeah, the, the history. So it was a very there. rich neighborhood mm-hmm. because you had the, the Supremes, you know, uh, they lived on Buena Vista, Tammy Terrell, David Ruffin. You know, you would run into all these wonderful um, entertainers yeah. from Motown. So being in the neighborhood, I would just be on my bike riding up to the Motown uh, Museum. Well, it's the Motown Museum, but back then it was just a place. It was just Motown. It was just Motown, and, you (laughs) know, you see the Four Tops pull up in their Cadillac, and, you know, it was just a, um, it gave me something to aspire. Okay. Towards, you know, just watching them and the whole world watch Motown make all that music. 
Okay, your family. I always start here too. Uh, your family. What led your family to move into uh, this neighborhood, and uh, how deep uh, do your roots in Detroit go back? Are you a first generation Detroiter? Meaning, were you the first kid born in Detroit? Second, third, fourth? Well, What's my up? mother. My mother went to Northwestern High School. Okay, so your yeah, mom so, picked correct. So they were from that neighborhood. <laughs> you know, you know, Piper went to No too. It's That's like right, nothing but coats in here. Oh, oh, all right. Yeah, my my mother and all of her siblings they went to Northwestern. So we were from the West Side, you know, over there by I think it's uh, Bethel Church. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had a um, St. Stephen's. We had a roller skating rink in the basement of the church. Hmm. Um, Wow. Back then, you know, I lived on Pacific, okay. right off of Tarman. I was born on Tarman, right there at uh, Grand River. Okay. Okay, so, so they kind of had the option of going to McKenzie or Northwestern, but chose... Well, when we moved on Glendale, we, we kind of like, were, we were closer to Central High School. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know. went, but living there, you could have lived, went to either or. Um your family. Well, I could have went to Cass too. Yeah, good right. Point. True, true. Yeah, <laughs> I wanted to catch the bus. Yeah, yeah, true, true. What about um, family moving to Detroit? Um, what uh, was your mother born in Detroit? Was your father born in Detroit? My mother was born in Detroit. My father was born in Louisiana, but my um, my grandmother and grandfather they came up here, you know, to work in the factories. Okay. And uh, from what uh, what state? From from Kentucky. Okay, so Kentucky, Louisiana. What parts of Louisiana? Gosh, I, I wish I knew. My my dad um, passed when I was about ten years old, mm-hmm. and I knew he was from Louisiana, but I, you know, I, I'm pretty sure he was Creole, but mm-hmm. I don't know exactly. You what know, for? I'd have to look that up. Kentucky, whereabouts? Right on the borderline at Tennessee, Fulton, Kentucky, mm-hmm. and Tennessee, Fulton County. Okay. So my grandfather had. Uh, a farm there. All of his brothers and sisters had land. My great grandfather was very entrepreneurial. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> um, they were the Mitchell family, and uh, they were some of the first uh, people to have, you know, their own car and hmm. his own land. So, all of my uncles were entrepreneurial. Ain't that something? So, mm-hmm. like, one of the first people in town with a car. Ain't that something? That's, that's mm-hmm. well, the first black family. I'm not okay. gonna say the first. Uh, but yeah, even being the but, first but black person. They with tell a car. me my my grandfather. He always had um, like insurance policies on people, so he would cash in when people would die. Wow, Ain't that something. Mm-hmm. An entrepreneur. Something. <laughs> hey, 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 he he saw a need and fulfilled it, that's and he you know just kept buying land. Mm-hmm. Left. Um, farms to all of his children Hmm. all right so as that goes on um we're talking about uh a a family that came up here to work in the plants what plants did they work in what factories well i don't know exactly maybe chevrolet i know my dad worked at the chevrolet plant they don't call it chevrolet it's called american axle now Mm -hmm. because i can remember taking them as lunch uh over there in hamtramck over there yeah okay in hamtramck okay so that's definitely cool. So your journey uh, after Central, what what did you end up getting into? Well, I I, I left and went to college, Ferris mm-hmm. State College in Big Rapids, mm-hmm. and um, stayed in Big Rapids for three years. I got a two-year degree, but it took me three years. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And uh, after I got that associate's degree, I I went to school in Atlanta. I went to Clark University, and that's how I got involved. HBCU? In, in, uh, <laughs> I went to Howard, so. You went to Howard, hey, right, right, right. Clark, that's my family. I was just watching Blackish uh, Lab. <laughs> they, they want their son to go to, uh, or he wants him to go to Howard. Mm-hmm. But anyway, <clears throat> so, you know, I, I went to Clark, and then I came back here and uh, opened up my store on Dexter and got my degree from Wayne State. Okay, now talk about the, the stories, the stories. We were talking about Dexter. I never knew you had a store on Dexter. As uh, oh, Dexter no? is, uh, as we know, the, what I think like a, when people talk about the West Side, especially like this community, it's like Dexter, Linwood, Rosa Parks, but more so Dexter and Linwood like stand out most. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and Dexter was jumping because you had the Bola Drome and they had the Drome Bar, which featured a lot of uh, fantastic jazz artists. Mm-hmm. Then you had um, Diana Washington was married to Night Train Lane, and they opened up a a bar on Dexter as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of your most uh, well sought off barbecue joints would be on on Dexter. There was mm-hmm. a couple of bowling alleys on Dexter, and then yeah. as you went down by North. Western, there was Lucky Strike bowling alleys. You don't even have bowling alleys in the city anymore. No, not at all. So um, it gave me something to do on Saturday. My mother didn't have to worry about me because I was in the bowling league, Mm -hmm. and every day I would, you know, every Saturday I would be Be bowling. bowling. Ain't that something? Yeah, because I hear the stories, especially because Yusef Latif stayed not that far off Dexter. So, like, John Coltrane would come to town, spend the night, and then get up and then just like sit in with whoever happened to be there. Like that has to be at the drone. Some of the most phenomenal feelings ever. Like you just also happen to be playing West with Montgomery. John Coltrane wanted to sit in with you. Mm. West Montgomery would be at the drone. Mm. I mean, it was such a rich culture of music. Yep. Through our our community. And this was uh, all at what was uh, uh, turned into a supermarket. Mm. When I was growing up, and it was next door to Esquire corned beef because I remember I hear these stories like, oh, Esquire was very popular. Yeah, yeah. Tyrone Bradley said it was a guy that got shot in Esquire, and nobody in the line moved because they still wanted their sandwich. Wow. Which I don't know. I, I definitely. I believe, don't believe it. it. <laughs> I believe it. Esquire <laughs> had it going on. Hey. That reminds me of the dancery. <laughs> The dancery. You remember that? Oh that my was goodness. like the dancery. And, and if somebody gets shot in, while waiting for food, I think I'm picking a new restaurant. <laughs> this is Detroit. You know, it's, it's like, Detroit. That ain't got nothing to do with me. I still want my corned beef sandwich. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's a, that's a legacy then. All right. So Dexter store. What 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 did you sell? What were you doing? <clears throat> well, um, my brother had a store on Dexter, and they broke in and stole everything, so mm. he kind of threw his hands up. So mm-hmm. I just asked him, let me have the keys. I took my little record player that I had in my dorm room, mm-hmm. and I uh, just opened up. It was a it was a raggedy store, you know. The uh, the front door, you had to lift it to get it, get it to open and close. When the people in the apartment building above it would flush the toilet, the uh, the the water from the toilet would come down the side of the walls in the in the foyer. That's mm. why the door was so swole because it it was because wet wet all the time. It wilted. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> I had a lot of fun with that store 
because, you know, uh, we were the first head shop. We were the first store to sell um, Easy Widers. We would have black light papers. You know, back then, it was kind of like a super fly era um, where guys were dressing with the perms. You know, they had the, the JFKs, we, we would call it. It's like a pompadour, kind of like how John Kennedy's hair when we called it the JFK. That's Guys hilarious. were playing, uh, wearing these split, the <laughs> the split toe um, uh, loafers and uh, loafers. the gabardine shirts with the vest that, went, mm. that was over it with the two patch pockets and, and the, and the top stitching. And we think strange today. <laughs> yeah, because uh, Ted Vassar was on Dexter. There was uh, mm. Hawkins Apparel. These were uh, prominent black-owned stores. Mm-hmm. that were in the neighborhood um, before the, the riots. Because mm. when the riots came, a lot of the businesses um, moved west, or northwest, I, sh- I should mm-hmm. say. It moved, like, uh, further, <coughs> like, Seven Mile, Illinois, like, mm-hmm. Avenue of Fashion. But that was in the 60s, you know. Mm-hmm. I opened up Spect- uh, Junior's Jazz Room in 1971. Okay, so that's what it was like, your... In 1971, your first store. Uh, walking mm. away, what did you learn most, would you say, from that first iteration of you doing retail and owning it? And you were so young that, doing it, too. Yeah, I like to make money. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I liked having my own money. Mm-hmm. I liked also um, being able to, to um, find things for my clientele. I mean, like, if you came... By the store, you know, I always had a speaker outside, and you were waiting at the bus bus stop. I knew the right song to put on to get you to come in the store. Mm-hmm. You know, I was always connected with um, the music and the hit records and the records that affected you emotionally. Where you, when a person here hears a song that touches them, mm-hmm. they gotta have it right now and back then there was no other medium i mean you had to come if you were having a party in the basement you were playing 45s they were only three minutes long so you needed a variety of records that so you could like play you were DJing. Mm-hmm. yeah it's it's like you were djing yeah ain't that something so i'm guessing you definitely play and he'll come back and that's one of my uh big homies too um, you were playing a lot of. They won a Grammy for that that year. You were playing smiling faces a lot that year, probably. What the, is that the undisputed, undisputed truth? truth? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> and they had these vests that these these felt vests, and uh, you would cut them, and then they would have the little dangling things mm-hmm. at the bottom. Um, you know, I think the 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 one song was the Funky Worm. Mm. I don't know if you guys know about the mm-hmm. funky worm, oh, yeah. but that was a big record. Because you know uh, that sample and uh, that song is sampled to make Black Superman from uh, eight, from uh, what is that? Uh, Above the Law. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And that's how I'm, I'm familiar. You know, it's uh-huh. like you get re uh, acclimated mm-hmm. with a lot of this music. For like, man, where did that come from? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's how I'm familiar. The with funky it. worm was a really really big. Uh, record for me when I had that storm Dexter along with you know what's going on uh, Marvin Gaye's records were real big back then and uh, uh, Nina Simone you know because she had that record about um, you know to be young gifted and black mm-hmm. and uh, then there was the the name game song you know uh, how does it go Bopani 
be five more money, you know. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. That song was really, really big. Uh, so back then, you know, we were selling eight-track tapes, and people would have record players in their cars where they could play 45s in their cars. Wow. Mm -hmm. That was a great time. But that store, Junior's Jazz Room, um, I, I hate to admit it, but we had a head shop. And I had a neon sign that said head shop. And people would come in and buy all kinds of uh, paraphernalia, uh, money spray. I would sell incense that you could, um, blessed incense, because you had so it was Reverend like a, Otis. So so a head shop is like a, a place where you can get marijuana perf uh, paraphernalia that can assist in your smoking. Exactly. Gotcha. It, mm. Exactly. But I, you know, I I, I sold triple bean scales. Mm -hmm. You know, I took the time to find products that um, people would desire. You mm -hmm. know. Okay. Yeah. People. Yeah. People you know, definitely we had like oils, to smoke weed. We, you know, mm -hmm. what you need. You know, because you had chocolate papers. You had all the different flavors and everything. Mm -hmm. um, you know, now that I'm older, I don't think I would I would have a, a head shop, you know. Mm -hmm. But when I was a teenager, you know, I wanted to be hip, and I had the blinking lights that went around the window. I had black light carpeting on the floor. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, just very eclectic um, speakers, and um, I was very fortunate that uh, WGPR, Nat Morris and Ray mm. Henderson, wow, they came and they broadcast right outside my store. Wow. wow. Cool. And they would do that Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Mm. And um, that really put the store on the map. Okay. That's what's up. How mm -hmm. long did you uh, run that store? Oh, I had that store from uh, 71 to maybe 76 because I okay. opened the store on 7 Mile and 74. 7 and what? 7 Mile and Livinois, right across from B.C. Mm. Okay. It was called Zena. It, wow. it was a big store. I had a record department, a makeup department, a shoe department, menswear, women's wear. It was like, it was like Macy's. <laughs> but that Zena's. store was like being in an ocean. <laughs> mm. It was like be because I was young, I was in my twenties, and uh, you know when I got the store downtown, it was because it was small. Um, mm. After visiting um, it's the Ritz, which used to be in uh, Greek Town, mm. uh, it's the Ritz is owned by Frank Caruso, who owns Caruso Caruso out in mm. Birmingham, mm. but he had a little store, kind of like the the first Spectacles, um, and he would have stuff hanging off from the ceiling and everything and I saw what he was doing and you know you don't have to reinvent the wheel I was like well the next time I get a store it's going to be small where I can run it and I don't have to necessarily have employees right I feel you on that so with that we're going to go over to some Piper stories Piper mm -hmm. I'm family. loving Dana, um, Zayna's story because um, number one I look up to you mm -hmm. and in so many ways because for <clears throat> me you represent the genesis of the Detroit hip hop culture, you know, um, like when Hassan, you know, rest in peace, was with us in the 80s. That's how I learned about your store and everything that you do, because um, he was so, so supportive. supportive and involved. But like he basically would come to us like 
um, this is hot. This is what y'all should be wearing. This is the new thing. This is that. And that's what we did. He you know, was, Hassan was kind of like a Pied Piper. He you was. Know, he made Maurice Malone. Yeah, he made Maurice Malone. He made Maurice Malone. Yeah. He and got literally. all of his stuff in the music videos because literally. he would travel. Yep. He would travel the world, and he would talk up Detroit. Talk up Detroit and bring spectacles. So he was the person who, you know, made us <clears throat> love spectacles. He made us respect spectacles. He made us love spectacles. But it was in an organic way because he was always showing us, like, you know, cool. He dressed really well. He had great style. So he was always coming around. And he could dance. And he could dance his butt off. So he was always in the fashion shows and modeling mm -hmm. and in the circles dancing and then doing the parties and just creating that scene. And so for our generation that looked up to him, it, you know, it was like, okay, well, uh, y'all need to go to Spectacles and get this. And it was literally, what he literally would say is, y'all should stop shopping at the mall. And y'all need to get y'all stuff from, from Zayna. Because Zayna could get you everything. Because you were doing custom stuff. And I think you still do. Custom stuff. Um, finding stuff in Europe. Um, this is not like pre-internet. There's no internet. Like no we don't even, internet. We don't no know internet. what internet is. Mm -hmm. So you're fine. You're, you're, you're connecting with um, major designers that are cutting edge. I mean, designers that, you know, are... Um, up and coming. And, and and beyond up and coming because they're at the forefront. Yes. Uh, and also the designers that are at the forefront because yeah, like um, Wilkie Rodriguez and yeah, you know, all these it, it amazing people that are his historical figures now. And you were putting young Willie Ware, Willie Ware, like that's where I learned about Willie Ware. I learned about all these designers mm -hmm. from Spectacles, literally. And um, I couldn't afford it, but I learned about it. <laughs> no, for real. This was like I mean, like this was these are no, black. Uh, historical designers high-end black oh, yeah, designers yeah. from the 80s that quote-unquote made it this was the aids epidemic literally destroyed didn't it the black mm -hmm. intelligentsia the black um what would you call it creative class mm -hmm. the aids well between aids and crack but AIDS really destroyed, like, the black intelligentsia, the black creative class of that caliber. Oh, yeah. And, like, crack just destroyed that plus everything else. But spectacles, in my mind, I, I look at the world as, like, you know, PC and, and like, you know, <laughs> like, BC and, like, you know, like, before crack and then, like, after crack. So spectacles, <laughs> for me, is, like, before crack. Okay. And for me, the world before. That's so funny, Piper. <laughs> but, it, but I'm saying in real life, see, I was born in 72. So yeah. in real life, my world before crack was amazing. I did not know I was poor. I didn't know I lived in poverty because we grew our food. We had everything we needed. Our hood, I mean, it was gangsters in the hood. But if you were not involved in gangster stuff, they were loving on you, protecting you, and a part of your community. They were protecting you. And you you know, didn't have no trouble and, from no gangsters. No. They kept me open. And they, they made shot sure, with me. They made sure that if and you wasn't supposed sure to be I in was, no gangster stuff, I was safe you were too. safe. Mm -hmm. and, if, and if they knew that you wasn't of that, they were like, this is not for you. Go across the street. You don't belong here. Take your butt home. Blah, 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 like that. Mm -hmm. Whereas after crack, it was... it it put a hole it just destroyed it it, it the destroyed. sensitivity 
just changed. They didn't know? respect any grandmothers. They didn't respect any children. They was like killing kids, killing elders, and it didn't mean anything, which is where we are, what, four generations now from that to today, where the young people now don't even see you. I mean, I, I shouldn't put all people in a, I shouldn't put all young people in a thing, but mm-hmm. what I mean is, as from we, coming from that world. We can't reach them. Well, we have to do a lot, a lot of work to to connect with them. Like, and there's a lot of work that, you know, a lot of people don't have the energy to do because we have been devastated by emergency manager, um, water crisis, a housing crisis. Um, you know, our, polit- our, our political leaders just pretty much, you know, removed. You know, just all of these points where power has just been zapped to the point where the older generations, like the younger generations, look at the older generations, like y'all didn't do this and y'all didn't do that. But part of it is, it's so many attacks consistently decade after decade after decade. And it just keeps coming after a while. The older generation is like, I'm tired. Mm -hmm. I'm tired. So the young people, unfortunately are receiving that tired energy. And you know, we have what we have today this generation divide, like no understanding between cultures. But at the same time, the beautiful thing about our black culture was so rich and strong about it. It is so rich that all the the culture that I'm going to say you created, and I'm going to say that, and I mean it, has now, like, you were so light years ahead. Because the 80s is, what, at least 30 years ago, 30 plus. Mm-hmm. You were so... Spectacles, Zena, that whole thing was so light years ahead. Right now, the young people are doing those fashion trends. Those but, same fashion trends, but, that's what they're looking to, and they're doing that but I, right I, now. I would say, um, I mean, when I look up to Zena, it's a lot of different layers, like, but just way more like entrepreneurial, like how I see it, because you see it from a whole different scope with uh, your experience and fashion and everything else piper and that's why i was going to say like you know you can give like more context to what you've been doing because of the different things that you've seen just in your life connected to fashion but i i definitely think a lot of it is you know staying on the marathon and, and reworking it like this is uh which i guess from that I, it just leads me to the the seven mile store what was happening at the seven mile store what was the vision of it well, I just wanted to. I went out to California and I took Where a, at in Cali? Uh, um, Los Angeles. LA. Okay. Yeah. I looked at Fred Siegel, who was like my, mm. my idol, you mm-hmm. know. And I looked at how he had his store laid out. Mm-hmm. And so I came back to emulate what Fred Siegel was doing. Mm. Okay. And uh, <clears throat> I got the store and uh, bought a bunch of. Uh, there was a store called The Proving Ground out at Northland that was going out of business, and I was able to acquire a lot of their fixtures like the and, and stuff like that. And now, uh, let me ask store. you this. Uh, in getting the second store, did you go about it like traditional lending way? Um, what uh, did you did you save up? Did you have family invest? Did you, uh, the streets, lend some money? What, how did you go about <laughs> it? No, um, I was fortunate that my, my mother was able to, to help me wow. with the store. I I never thought about borrowing any money. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, my uncle always told me, you know, if if you can do it without a loan, do it without a loan, mm-hmm. because then you don't have that stress and the pressure. Mm-hmm. I've never had a business loan, mm-hmm. and I always uh, 
handle my business. I make my business happen by doing business. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, say, for example, like give, giving a party. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I've always been selling something, so it's a natural thing. You know, when I was in college, I had a little, 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 you know, I had Afro picks, Afro sheen, sunglasses. Mm-hmm. I had stuff, you know, because I, I always had to have a product where I could make some money because every day I, I was going to need something. So mm-hmm. I would either have a jet route or Michigan mm-hmm. Chronicle route. I was always doing something entrepreneurial. So so do you think the barriers of entry then uh, when you were opening your businesses uh, in the 70s and 80s, was that a different than, than today? Because nowadays I think that so much of it of if you do look to go the traditional ways, a lot of the systems that exist, especially if you're looking to be by the book with, between insurance, between uh, between um, uh, between being especially dependent upon your type of business, I guess uh, making sure that you're regulated correctly, like the barriers of entry can get mm-hmm. so costly that you may need. A hundred thousand just to get in the game mm. to do business nowadays. Like, was it have things changed in reference to that? You feel things like? have changed uh, because now everything is more immediate. Mm-hmm. When I had my store on Dexter, and UPS would leave me a box, I could write a check for four or five hundred dollars and know that I had ten days to cover it mm. because it was going to take just that long for the people who I wrote the check to, to get the check. Mm -hmm. Now they're getting the check overnight. Mm -hmm. And that changed things. I didn't have that that lead time Mm -hmm. that I needed, you know, Mm -hmm. because I would make sure that the the product came in on Thursday. Mm -hmm. And I knew they weren't going to get the check until the following Monday. So I had two weekends to sell that stuff out of that box and cover that check. You know, so it's completely different now. Everybody wants you to have a credit card. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah, I mean, they I need rarely you to pay have with, that. I rarely pay with cash. I rarely. I mean, you know that because, like, if I buy something, I'm, I'm not paying with cash. So the the systems that have changed with that um, in, in doing retail, and retail has definitely completely shifted due to a lot of the Internet purchases that exist. Uh, most people purchase through Amazon, different Amazon stores, Half.com, Overstock, eBay, all these different options. And even what I create for some of my clients for their own e-portals for, the, for them to process their own transactions through smartphone apps and everything like that. For mm-hmm. the retailer that wants brick and mortar, what's happening right now? What, what would you suggest? I suggest you get online. <laughs> because uh, that is where it's going you know Mm -hmm. Um, I mean brick and mortar is nice but for me to really make spectacles happen I gotta constantly be entertaining the clientele I've got Mm -hmm. to have people coming in that are doing podcasts I gotta have people have a shop and sip Mm -hmm. I gotta uh, have a DJ come play in the store the the, the store now becomes the place to meet and greet. Gathering. It's a gathering place, you know, mm-hmm. and then hopefully you'll sell something. But when people really get ready to buy now, they want convenience mm-hmm. and they want it. They want to know that they've made that uh, that purchase right then. And, you know, they like the fun of getting the package and, uh, you know, opening it. It's like Christmas. Okay. But I think the importance, too, like 
of a spectacles is that it is a community builder because I will say um all the way from I'm gonna say my beginnings with spectacle like you know I feel like the store in and of itself created a community oh yeah and mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. communities and it, and it's now a global community so if you say spectacles like well honestly if you go anywhere in the world and you say Detroit they're gonna add spectacles to that list along with Henry Ford along with Motown and Jay Dilla they'll say spectacles you know Zayna spectacles so I feel like you personally having a brick and mortar even in 2018 or 2020 or whatever for me that's really important it is important because people want to be able to connect Mm-hmm. Um, and when people come in from out of the country, they come to Spectacles mm-hmm. because someone has told them, this is right. where you go to mm-hmm. find out where you should go next. Yep. So I'm I'm very blessed and, and fortunate, but that's the reason I put the store in downtown Detroit mm-hmm. because I wanted to connect with that international traveler because so many of my DJ friends were becoming international travelers, mm-hmm. you know, and they would take the my message and my products um mm-hmm. overseas yep and that's because of the uh with the inner city video the first did you do the styling for that i probably did the the inner city and um it was a lot of videos that came out like late 80s yes the uh-huh. beginning of the whole house uh what was the beginning the name of, the of that movement. that house group the one from the members here. of the house, members, yeah, of, the members house. of the house. I used to dress them, and I mean, so many of the, the house movement, because like London and like the more like Scandinavian cities, you know, like your Denmark and Sweden and all that, they look to Detroit because of the techno music and everything, and all those techno artists was coming to spectacles. Yeah, a lot of them worked at they they worked at uh, yeah at spectacles. It was kind of like you know everybody worked at WCHB and WCHD. You know most of your jocks or uh, JZZ. You know everybody had to get their rites of passage, and spectacles became kind of like that. You know you'd have mm-hmm. to, you know people wanted to work at the store mm-hmm. so that they could meet other people in the music business. Um, so many times artists would come and get hooked up. Because they were in spectacles at the same time, and and magic would would happen, you know, and and having the poetry scene uh, being involved in that at Cafe Mahogany mm-hmm. and Poor Me Cafe, uh, which is where I met Jessica at, mm-hmm. and uh, Frenchie Davis. I don't know if you mm-hmm. know Frenchie, well, but she does Idol. the she does the um, erotic poems, but mm-hmm. and Sky Sky Covington mm-hmm. was was very influential. Um, now she's a jazz performer. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of talent in Detroit, and I find that the talent in Detroit um, puts forth more of an effort because we have the time than people say, like in New York, because they're 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 in a rat race in New York. Mm-hmm. So we we tend to buckle down and really give you a nice presentation. Our fashion shows are usually very tight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. <clears throat> The the and this is so cool now. It's like now I'm seeing the rhythm of like how Piper's gonna come at it and how I'm gonna come at it. Piper's <laughs> asking community questions. I'm asking business questions. That's um, great though. So as we talk about the spectacles and then growing, the Seven Mile Store. What ended up happening? Uh, when did you decide to say, all right, I, I, I wanna I wanna transition and end up at uh, moving downtown? Well, what happened with the uh, 
the Seven Mile store is, uh, you know, I, th- those kids over in uh, that neighborhood, mm-hmm. they're like turnkey uh, kids. Um, their parents are professional. They yeah. go to work. But the kids are bored. They mm-hmm. would just be in the neighborhood in mm-hmm. some of these great big houses in Palmer Woods. But they they would just test and try to beat my alarm system, you know, Aww. maybe break a window. Um, that seven, I never had a problem on Dexter and Richston. Wow. Ain't that something. But, That's but, something. but on Seven Mile, right across mm-hmm. from B. Seagulls, you could just sit there. They put a fur coat in the window. Somebody was coming to get it. You know, mm-hmm. I had to have uh, men sleep in my store. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it might just be um, an elementary school kid Mm-hmm. See a hat and a break break a a window to just take a little hat, and then I would yeah. ask my security, well, well, what did you do? Well, uh, I didn't have my shoes on. I don't want to run through no glass, and was just mm-hmm. a little boy, you know. So that store was not a good store for me. Um, mm-hmm. Finally, I had Sound Patrol, and they were how going, long? Uh, how long did you stay there? I had that store until. Uh, 1980. Mm. 19, so so kind of you picked up from 67 to 80 and went there. From 67? I mean, from, from 71. I had the store on Dexter in from 71. From 71 to 76. Then I had both stores. Oh, okay. I had both stores. They overlapped. Okay. And, um, you know, I, I had to let this, the Dexter store go. Um and then I let the uh, Seven Mile store. I had looked at the store downtown, mm-hmm. but it it was very tore up. Mm. It was very tore up where the, these people had, you know, just tore up the space. But I, I was looking at the space, and um, my friend, Arzell Smith, mm-hmm. uh, he put a store in there called Dezanella. And at the time, I started giving the parties at the downstairs pub. This was when... I was doing parties on Glendale, and then I transitioned to the downstairs pub behind the Pontchartrain Hotel. Okay, now when you started doing your parties, uh, what type of music were you playing? What was your audience like? Who, what, what well, feel this was? W- this was house music, mm. and this was the time of disco and Donna Summers, you mm. know. So, um, Ken Collier was uh, a very notable gay DJ, and he decided he would play for me uh, because we had this uh, straight crowd but he had never played for a straight crowd and uh, we were downtown close to the water I, everything I did I wanted to be close to the water the closer to the water the better Henry Ford's girlfriend owned a club upstairs that was called L'Esprit so my thoughts were well we, we, we're all going through the same doors people don't know if you're going upstairs or downstairs mm. so that was a good thing because they always had all these fabulous uh, automobiles parked out front. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in Detroit, it's all about your car. Yeah. You know, and being seen in your car. Yeah. So, being seen in your car. <laughs> you know, so it, it was a if great drive. you got a drive. car to be seen in. Yeah. Right. So, right, right. Uh, all, all of my parties, I try to get a drive-by spot where mm-hmm. you can drive by and be seen in your car. Wow. Because that's what people want. They right. want to be seen in their ride if mm-hmm. you're from Detroit. It's right. all about your car. Mm-hmm. So, um, the downstairs pub, I knew it was a phenomenal thing when people started scalping my free passes. They were mm, selling my free passes wow. outside of the of the party. Okay, and it was just <laughs> it was just we started doing theme parties, um, yeah. and uh, the owner had a little gambling. 
he liked to bet the horses. Mm -hmm. So um, eventually um, we had to leave there because he needed money. Mm -hmm. And uh, some um, some brothers uh, bought me out, you know, okay. and we had to move the party. Yep. So after I stopped doing the parties, I was trying to do fashion shows at My Fair Lady. I was I went with a guy that owned My Fair Lady and I was doing parties down on Jefferson and Van Dyke. Um, but what happened was, um, you know, the DJs, they don't really, everybody wants to be the DJ, you know, mm -hmm. and that makes it, uh, you know, you get a lot of, uh, they, they push back on you. If mm -hmm. you're not using them, the ones that were um, DJing at My Fair Lady, mm -hmm. so I, I had to leave that venue. But we had we had great parties there too. And then I, um, in trying to do the fashion shows, I know this guy named Boogie owned a, a store in Northland, and Arzell had Days and Nella. And I just told my partner, I said, well, whenever he moves out of Days and Nella, we're going to get that store. So he opened up the the store in the next building on the corner, and then he opened up this um, place called the Steam Pit where the seafood market is mm. with the guy uh, from Luomo, mm -hmm. Mike, Mike Neal. You know, but the people that owned my building thought that he was going to open up the store in the large space within the building. So it's like all the landlords were mad at at, at at this guy because uh, he put this nightclub, hmm. the steam pit. And this was during All My Children when they had a nightclub on All My Children called the steam pit. Mm. And Jesse was uh, the star of right. All Remember My Jesse? Children. And he brought, <laughs> they actually brought Jesse to Detroit for the opening of the steam pit right wow. here in Harmony Park. That's crazy. So, yeah, it was, it was a fabulous time. But um, I think I'm, what I'm really trying to tell you about is how I started how you ended up at Spectacles. Yeah. So I, his name was Arzell Smith, and my name mm. was Zayna Smith. So mm. the landlord that owned the building, he was like, well, why don't you just go get the keys from Arzell? And I was like, well, is it his store or is it your store? Mm -hmm. And after I said that, he gave me the keys, mm. and I, I rented the store because I didn't know Arzell. We had never, I knew of him, but we had but never, never sat down and had really dinner or anything. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they sort of think that we all know one another. Mm -hmm. And he didn't know whether I was uh, playing a game with him. Um, or by, anything. Or anything. So, and I, I'll never forget what Mr. Petkoff, who was uh, kind of like a mentor to me, you know, because I was trying to make things happen in spectacles. Mm -hmm. I had one order of color and optics sunglasses. And he said, uh, you know, you can't make money with an empty wagon. Mm -hmm. And after he said that to me, I started getting busy buying stuff. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, because I was kind of broken from mm -hmm. the Seven Mile store. And it took me a, a, a while to get my gumption mm -hmm. together. And I was broken because these people that I knew Right. had bought me out of my downstairs pub situation. You mm -hmm. know, sometimes, you know, people see you doing something mm -hmm. and they want to be you. Or they, you know? they think uh, two things. Uh, not and only, it, it I would say, out. they it's, it's, um, it's dismissive and disrespectful because they, they believe that what you're doing can be mimicked as mm -hmm. if 
as if right everything exactly. you're doing is like oh if i just it's do easy. if i just take this location mm-hmm. then i mean if she did it i can do it mm-hmm. you know so obviously you know i get the location like like it and you had a, a process a theory you had a, a couple different competitive advantages one of my mm-hmm. favorite words in business that that they would never have one this relationship with a dj that was interested in spinning for a straight crowd spinning a music that he's familiar with and he had a passion for but it's like now i have an eagerness and ambition and here's a classic one initiative that i want to put into it you also had like all right it's a knack idea where you have something upstairs and then we have downstairs and i like that people get the chance to drive by and see themselves so they may get a little bit of that but they'll never really get the buy-in because most people are buying on replicating the idea mm-hmm. that this experience that people are connecting to for whatever reason they're coming to it uh and we kind of already talked about it so it may be it may be to meet that girl mm-hmm. it may be to uh to hook up with that 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 guy it may be to get a drink talk to that bartender it may be to uh get a little something extracurricular if you into something extracurricular to get your high on or it could just be to listen to the music but these people connected to that experience and you had a lot to do with making the uh the 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 space that people connected to it's mm-hmm. hard to replicate experience mm-hmm. very hard very not like the way you put very that hard. Mm-hmm. you know and and when they when they finally some of the guys that would come to my parties regularly it was a compliment to me they opened up a club uh on broadway but the lower level of their club they called the downstairs pub which is where we used to give the parties mm. so I realized that the downstairs pub meant so much to a certain uh, demographic of, of people. Mm-hmm. It, it was like a time that can't be duplicated. Right. Like and, the warehouse. Yeah. And and they asked me all the time, well, why don't you give a downstairs pub reunion? But how can I do that? And my DJ <laughs> has passed. Yeah. You know, I don't think anybody, oh, well, this person could do it. That person no. could do it. it. You can't go it's back. It's a part of the experience because mm-hmm. everything is intrinsically set up. You you, mm-hmm. you know, I, yeah. I hate reunions. And I, I hate when people, <laughs> they they take these little cheap shots. Yeah. You know, like you can't give a party without calling it Prince mm-hmm. or Michael Jackson, Prince versus Michael Jackson. I mean, they call on these icons mm-hmm. to give the parties. And that, I mean, I, I appreciate them. Honoring. Honoring them. I've, I've, but done, they, I've done an honoring. But, 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 but they they do it, to me, in the wrong vein, you mm-hmm. know. It's not like they're going to give the money to charity or anything. Nah, they're doing it because they can't money. even get it's anybody to, to, try to, to come to their money. parties. Yeah, it's trying to get some money. That's mm-hmm. what it is. You know, That's so. what it is. And I, and I, I agree. Like that. The best, uh, and I've done it in the best concepts of everything I've done always are from the ground up. Because who, at who, one, who was it you were celebrating? Uh, we did a Sweetest Day show where it was Anita, Aretha, and Aaliyah. I just like the alliteration of the three names. Mm-hmm. But looking back at it, I could have easily done it where everybody did their own originals too. Because uh, I know they'll probably do some covers. But every great show that I've ever produced, and I've produced some really good shows over time, um, not toot my own horn, not because the people <laughs> are there, because I made a lot of money. It's just the experience. It's always the vibe. It's the mm-hmm. feel. Like, it's the vibe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's always a combination, you mm-hmm. know, but the people are very important. The that music is, the, is very yeah. important. Yeah. 
and the ambiance of the room is very important. Mm-hmm. Very important. But it, it, it's a combination. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where you know each variable kind of takes a, a little this, a little that. A mm-hmm. little, it's, it's, it's like making a good drink. Like, you mm-hmm. know, it shouldn't have too much alcohol and it shouldn't have too much, I don't know, juice. And I want to mention uh, Piper's event, We Found Hip Hop how it just came together and it it felt so magical. I never felt that at the Child's Right before. Wow. You know, it was very, oh, the production of it was just so tight. Wow. I mean, and and everything was color coordinated. You know how you look Mm -hmm. at the news and (laughs) he's got on a pink shirt and Mm -hmm. she's got on a pink dress. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know how all that felt. We, 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 that was real organic. Oh. And we... Just we did have a conversation. We said, let's wear some colors and uh what colors do we want to wear? And everybody had different colors they wanted to wear. So we were like, Look, let's just wear a combination. Whatever you have, do not go shopping, but whatever you have in your closet. I'm pretty sure people Those were new gym shopping. shoes you had on? Well, they were new ish. I mean I hadn't <laughs> You know how you know how you got a pair in the in the closet. Yeah, they it was, was new ish. Like, it was uh, like it was like yeah. I ain't never worn them. Right, I hadn't mm. worn them. I got them on now. I got them on today. Oh yeah, those are some nice gym yeah, shoes. Yeah, the Nikes, you know. Yeah, got, they look good on stage. Oh, Piper's a sneaker here. I'm a sneakerhead. You know, I love sneakers. <laughs> oh. Basketball, basketball player from Northwestern too. But, love, but having the young people there, that was so wonderful. Incredible. They were incredible. They were incredible, and they and like through rehearsals, you never know how stuff is gonna. Cause cause I like I, my passion is artist development. So I like, I mean, I love doing the professional stuff, but I really love developing people. And I feel like in Detroit, that's what made Detroit in Motown was Barry Gordy develop. He took the time. They had, you know, walk-in mm-hmm. lessons and media lessons and mm. speaking lessons and all this second, stuff. Second day in the role, I'm going to mention the name, Maxine Powell. The last interview I had, Maxine Powell, the etiquette coach for Motown. Etiquette. I uh, mean, and then, and then, heck of a lady. I mean, financial, you know, all, all these things that, you know, when we look at the demographics, like I'm involved in a lot of um, community organizing. So when I go, you know, unfortunately, they have all the meetings in precincts, which is why people probably don't want to go. But um, when you go, one of the, so like when people talk about the community, community, they'll talk about what's going on in the community, what could be different. One of the things that is my pet peeve. Um, at these community meetings is they uplift the crime statistics and they'll show you all these crimes and they'll show you these charts and these statistics and things and the biggest demographic that they show is these African-American young men between the ages of 14 and 25 and sometimes up to 35 commit like the majority you'll see the line spiked all the way to the top this is the majority of the crimes I mean and they have young ladies in there too so my thing is when I'm at the community meetings, my first question is, okay, if y'all are calling yourselves the department of safety in what aspect of safety are y'all providing any sort of, um, programs or outreach or anything? And they'll say stuff like, well, we have a basketball game that we do every summer, or we had this, we had that. And most of it is for children you know, the babies. And then I'll say, well, that stuff is all for babies. And then they'll say, oh, because we got to get them early. I'm like, but if y'all are telling me that y'all's philosophy of reaching people early, I've been watching y'all reach people early doing stop the violence and stuff for 30 years. Those people are 30, 40 years old now. 
So if these demographics are getting worse, you have to do something different. And so for me, I like reaching that those demographics of young folks between 14 and I would say 35 and developing them in the thing in in the things that they want to be developed in. So in the arts and culture, things they care about. The people who want to be artists, who want to be professional artists, who want to be entrepreneurs, that's my passion. And for me, you know, um having Detroit does not have those pipelines anymore. Yeah. We used to have a pipeline so that you could go into the industry. Well, I mean the professional arts industry or music industry. Right now we have a lot of gatekeepers. There's a lot of people who have become successful, but they haven't created any pipelines so that other people can become successful too. And so what I want to do or what I've been working on is how do we develop people so that they're ready to be in the industry, whether it's mentally with their arts and skills and their business acumen and all that. But then also too, how do we create avenues so that people can look back and be like, oh, that's a place where we could go get the hotness like like how spectacles is when people know oh um spectacles is a place where at any time of the year that you go to you will see some international figure either being photographed there interviewed there shopping there just coming by to kick it with you you know what i mean like it's just Mm -hmm. one of those places that I would put on the map like a like a Motown, like the um like Underground Resistance, you know, like just these places that you go, like the DIA. You gotta you gotta um connect with Zayna, you know what I'm saying, to like be a part of whatever we're gonna call that, the industry that that <laughs> that we that exists in Detroit that we mm-hmm. have and don't have at the same and time. And we and we've gotta support, you know. We gotta support. We, we gotta have to support, support. We you have know, to the businesses that, yes. you know, can support you back. Right. You know, it, it, it's, it just doesn't even make sense. You don't spend money where people are treating you. Right. Well, mm-hmm. you know, where, oh, you, it, where you're not uh, comfortable. From being, right. from being in this neighborhood my whole life, it's, it's a many of places where, yeah, that, that dollar does get turned over. Mm-hmm. Actually, I I had a, a a personal boycott against a Chinese food place not far from here. <laughs> <laughs> if they're not treating you right, you shouldn't be spending your I agree. your your, I agree. your money there. Don't, don't, it's not necessary. Yeah. And it actually is one of the few things people listen to. Um, we're we're coming towards the end. Um, I definitely got to get you back, Zayna, because I feel like we haven't even gotten into uh in the business discussion like where things are now and what visions, but I will have you speak on that a little bit. What, um, what's next for spectacles? What, what do you see next? What are you going to be working on? Um, how can people connect? Well, um, we do have a website, spectaclesdetroit.com. Mm-hmm. Um, we're working on updating our website. Um, right now we're closed because we're getting new windows. The whole first mm-hmm. floor of the building is getting new windows. We'll have windows off the alley and off the front of the wow. store. Okay. So we'll have five new windows. Mm. Um, and we're getting in our HVAC uh, okay. heating and air conditioning system, mm-hmm. which was what I requested. And they tried to cut a few corners mm-hmm. and now... Mm-hmm. that I complained they're putting that in. So that mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm hopeful that we'll be in the store by the first of next week. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, they're, they're saying they'll definitely be finished with the first floor by April the 9th. So after that, we're going to be having our grand opening. Oh, nice. There is a wonderful rooftop 
on the building, and uh, oh, we, wow. we're going to be able to uh, utilize that. I was sure to put that in my lease that I wanted to be able to have an event on the rooftop. Uh, so, you know, again, you've got to entertain your clientele. So my job right now is to get in the clothing that I haven't been able to buy over the last three years because we've been in such a limbo construction site. Mm -hmm. So now it's going to be like starting all over. You know, I've got a brand new canvas. It's it's white, and I can build on that, Mm -hmm. you know. So I will be seeking out some local designers here in in the city and some international designers. We have a brand called King from London, England Mm. that's been very uh, amenable to spectacles, and I'm very loyal. You know, if you treat me good, I'll treat you good. I'll stick with your brand, you know. Mm -hmm. So we have a few Mm -hmm. brands that um, we're going to be introducing from uh, Toronto and Chicago. Uh, But for some reason, I like a lot of L.A. brands. L.A. and Detroit have some type of cousin connection. I think so. It's something about and things LA from San and Francisco okay. too. Okay, I, I I like to get things from San Francisco. It's 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 nice because men are wearing a lot more accessories. They're wearing bracelets. Mm-hmm. I, I like selling to men because they don't mm-hmm. have as many options. You have as a women. huge male clientele. Yeah, yeah. Like, you, you, like in in terms of the streetwear, because I'm into streetwear, mm-hmm. the streetwear culture, and in terms of like streetwear, like high end streetwear, spectacles is pretty much like one of the top like streetwear well downtown is more of a men's area Mm -hmm. now i want to do more for women you know if some of the landlords were amenable Mm -hmm. i could open up uh, a woman's store you know right down the street there are a lot of empty spaces still Mm -hmm. downtown Mm -hmm. Um, but there's nothing really really happening unless there's an event downtown. Right. So, you know, you got a lot of cranes. And uh, just just today I had two nails in my tire, and I I had, hadn't been anywhere, but I know it's from being in downtown Detroit because mm. it's a, just a lot happening, mm. a lot of rebuilding. Um, and, you know, you got that great big J.L. Hudson site, mm-hmm. which is going to inhibit b- business because people don't like to hit roadblocks it's just like if you go on the internet mm-hmm. and you can't get fluently yeah if it's, then if you it's you'd slow, be like well forget it yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so know. it's another one of those things where that's and, what's and happening I think downtown. with this development um i'm going to just say this to any any potential retailers thinking that brick and mortar um you kind of touched on it but really I talk to a lot of business people where they talk about, I got my friend doing this and I got my cousin doing that. Write your own business plan Mm -hmm. and definitely read your lease. Read your, read, read your lease, read your lease, read your lease. There's too many times I hear about people that sign into a lease. I mean, you can get option to buy Uh, these whole concepts of like what a white box space is. You need to be specific. Don't just go on what you think the jargon is. You need to know what's happening, especially if you're going to, be in a place and in a space. It's a lot of people that are leasing property from people that the people they're leasing it from aren't even the real owners of the property. Mm. So you need to know and explore this, have the information. Mm -hmm. Um, You, I can't, I can't express it's, this it's, enough. It's important. Read that you get it. your lease. And, yeah. And don't, I, it's gonna, all of the language in there is very litigious. It's going, it's going to drive you crazy. It's a reason that it's like that. And you need to sit down with an attorney. It's worth you it. You need a lawyer. And, mm-hmm. and 
and understand what they're saying because right. when uh when shit goes awry right and they pull that paperwork out you can easily end up i mean i've known too many restaurants that ended up putting too much uh too many uh you know too much work into a space and mm-hmm. then they don't own it there was like a two-year lease with an option out you know and the I, opt out I, happens I, I, and stuff I can't like understand that. that but that happens to people mm-hmm, all the time mm-hmm. i watch it happen to people that are in business yeah and they don't understand that this is not your building is right. you don't own the property so there's only so much that you can invest in someone else's space if you mm-hmm. really want to go and freak a space out then you own get your it. own mm-hmm. yeah you you own your property you know mm-hmm. um yeah and you need to be very very specific with it you need to understand uh, if it's one thing, one lesson in business you learn very fast is that most of these businesses are in business to get business from you. Right. It's not a lot of businesses and businesses to keep you in business. Right, right, right. You right. got to figure out which business trying to get business from you is somebody you can work with or who you can't. Well, you know, for me, uh, you never know how a person stays in, but you got to have... A, a sympathetic landlord, one that understands right. what you're doing, one that cares. and 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 that cares and and wants you to be in business. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. um, you don't need a bunch of empty buildings downtown. That's not what the powers that be want. They want downtown they to want appear business. vibrant, mm-hmm. and they they need foot traffic and everything. So they're going to try to entice you to come through, and they're going to try to entice these businesses to stay. Mm-hmm. But you'll you're going to find that there's going to be a turnover so there's going to be a lot more opportunities because a lot of these businesses are only there for the moment a lot of them Mm -hmm. aren't paying rent uh they're just there to see if they want to stay Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. some of them aren't going to want to stay so don't give up on downtown detroit i'm not i i don't think i've given up on anything it's a it's a bigger broader discussion than when people well, talk about uh, the I gentrification abroad in midtown i think uh so much about placing your business um and leasing you you know ownership nothing's the the true gateway ownership you're going to deal with headaches leasing you may deal with headaches but the number one thing is place your business where you feel like it it, it provides the the most uh, where you can exploit the most advantages to grow yourself mm-hmm. and downtown is one of those places where you're going to get a lot of foot traffic you need to understand the ebb and flow of what that foot traffic is how it works who's going to walk by because you know you it, it you're interacting with the general public mm-hmm. but boy oh boy so i'm feeling like i'm uh giving a business <laughs> lesson let me let me get back to the classic detroit is different uh questions as we close out um as this is a car city i always ask this question what was your very first car uh what year did you get it and what year make and model was it oh my very first car was a impala uh, oh, man. a chevrolet impala oh. Uh, oh, that was in 1970 Probably, I would say 1969. Oh, man. So what year did you get it? It was a used car. You know, like it was my grandmother's and they just gave me something that I could drive. Oh, mm. it was heavy metal, though. That's a heavy metal Impala. If you, you had know. that Impala right now, it'd be, uh, yeah, but, talk about people. You know, I've had a lot of wonderful cars, though, okay. in my lifetime. Where did you, know? you go uh, with your first, uh, in that in that Impala, where was your first ride? Well, I was at Ferris State College, so okay. it was so I could have 
So a it was two school. school. Yeah. And that's old school in Pala. You was that was a stick shift too. A heavy metal stick shift. It wasn't a stick shift. It wasn't. It was no, automatic. It was automatic. Ah, oh, they blessed you. Mm-hmm. They it was, blessed you. It well, was. It was. It was a wonderful thing. You know, my brother was up at school too, so I had to share the car with him. Of course. And so it was like a timeshare. He vehicle. was like, "Get you a boyfriend." <laughs> you know, he didn't want to share the car with me. He would let me use it sometimes. I usually would have to call home though. The times, oh man, you have to, you have to snitch on your brother to get the ride. Wow. Mm, mm, mm. But yeah, I, I enjoyed that car. Okay. Mm. All right. Uh, next question. Uh, it's the end of the fireworks. You're at Woodward and Jefferson, and you're the DJ. You get to play three songs. Mm-hmm. What songs are you playing? Well. I probably would play some Stevie Wonder. Which mm-hmm. song? Um, what's that? Um, I don't want to say. Um, you know, gosh, you can't go wrong with any Stevie Wonder song. No, but you can't go wrong. I don't want to say. You know, the first thing that you think of is that hustle song. My eyes don't yeah, cry no more. My eyes don't cry. But yeah. um, how about the one um, "Living for the City"? Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. all right. Living for the Living city. For the city. I, I really like um Stevie Wonder songs, but I'm I also like a lot of uh, Diana Ross and um Shaka Khan. Mm-hmm. Okay. I like both too. Which Diana Ross song? Uh <laughs> Diana Ross, let's see. I guess I'm coming out. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. And uh And Shaka Khan. Shaka Khan. I'm every woman. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Definitely. And the last question is, if you could rename Woodward after one Detroiter, who would it be and why? One Detroiter. I don't know. I guess it would have to be Coleman Young. He gets the most right. votes. Right. He gets the most votes. Mm-hmm. And that definitely is something big because Coleman it's almost Young. like Coleman, Young. Coleman Young's journey. Coleman like Young. you started your business journey, like when he started his mayoral run, almost. Mm. Yeah, that, that that kinship sort of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there we go, Zayna. Thank you so much. Well, I'm thank gonna put you the for link having me. Thanks for coming, Piper. Yeah, thank yeah. You, thank thank you. you for having me. Yeah, this is an honor. I got. I gotta get. I keep telling Zayna I have to do a documentary with Zayna. Zayna needs a, do- a document. Zayna needs a documentary. I'm, I'm working on an autobiography. You're working on an autobiography. Uh-huh, yeah, I, you need I a do documentary. Need a documentary you though. need a documentary. Okay, well, let me know because uh, mm-hmm. Detroit is different. Is definitely in support of Zayna, as like Zayna knows me from my, um, you know, my marketing world. But hip hop always inspired that. She's always been supportive. Um, as far as a place you can buy my music. If people say, where do you buy your music? Zayna's the, you can go to the biggest supporter. Go to Spectacles. Yep, go to Spectacles. She's the biggest supporter. Go to I spectacles. try to help where I can, you know. Mm-hmm. I just want people to work, you know. Mm-hmm. Just get up and do something. Make something happen. Mm-hmm. Like all the signs you got around about the three kind of people. Mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. My mom, that was my mom's favorite quote. She put that up. Um, you know, watch... Wonder and make wow things that happen. My mom loved that. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of watchers these days. Shout out to mom. Yes, yes. Thank you, thank you. Mm-hmm. Detroit is different. Is where you get information, artistry, history, music, and even comedy. 
Detroit is Different, a home for the culture of Detroit. Visit online at DetroitIsDifferent.com today.